sound booth, and Tom Grant took the microphone, and I went, oh, my God. I'm joking. I didn't. I didn't. It, uh, but he started talking about, he said, talked about purpose. And, you know, the last couple of weeks, that's what, what we've been on. How do you find your purpose? You know, if <clears throat> trying to figure out how to go about this. There's a couple of different ways I can attack this, you know. But the message, the title of this message is With Purpose Comes Power. And that's why you, you know, Paul told Timothy, he said, if you see a church and there's no power there, run the other direction. That's basically what he does. That, that's in the term, today's term. It's a having a, a church but but not having a power thereof from such turn away. And so it's it's interesting to me that the least thing ever preached about is the most important thing that you can have. How many of y'all have ever turned on TV and, and found a, a somebody on TV preaching on it's imperative that you find your purpose, or you're going to waste your entire life. I mean, you don't you don't get that. Why? Because the pastors want to keep their jobs. They don't want to push their people. They don't want to they don't want to push and 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 say, "All right, we're going to find your purpose. We're going to find your purpose, and you're going to fall into what God has for you, and then boom, off you're going to go." No, people people in general do not want to be pushed. What's funny to me is it's the most important message and it's the most underpreached message. I can't understand it. I can't understand why people don't, pastors don't want their people to walk in the blessings of God and the plan of God and everything else. Why? Because they want to keep their jobs. They want to keep their jobs. I mean, Let's just let's just let's just be straight for a minute. No pastor, no congregation, none of that. I mean, just when before God created Earth, He had a plan for your life. Right? What the Word says. If you believe the Word, that's what that's what it is. I believe it. So if he created me with something specific in mind, which he did, and he created you, no matter who you are, with something specific in mind that you are to pick up and have a life's work, that that's what you strive for every day. That's what gets you up every morning, that passion to feel the, the call of God on your life. What aggravates me, no, I, I, I don't. I can't say how strongly this aggravates me. It would it would be sin to me if I said how much. But it it would be God has a plan for your life. I mean, I mean, I've ever heard that. Every week you hear that some pastor preaching that. 
God has a plan for your life, a purpose for you know, Proverbs 29.11. You know, they go through the whole thing. But they don't go into any specifics and how you find out that how that happened, like we've done in the last week or two. Nobody's ever, nobody ever tells them. But what aggravates me is, God, um, if it would be me, and I didn't know, and I had to go all the way back to the beginning, and I just you said, you know, I know God has something for me. Um, I just don't know what it is. God's got something for me to do, or He wouldn't have put me here. There's a purpose for my life. God's got me here for a reason. Well, you know, we got the hands. God has a plan for you. All right. If it would have been me, I would say, all right, tell me what it is. Because I can't find it. I can't find it. They have no response. We went through specifically, the last two weeks, specifically exactly what you had to do to find out the purpose for your life, to find out the plan for your life. So I'm just going to go in today, and um, since we're having communion, I'm just going going today, and I'm going to talk about some people in the Bible. Who is the greatest judge to judge over Israel? A woman named named Deborah. And then, you know, we get come back in, and he get another one, another one, another one. And what happened is, is, is uh, Gideon came along. He was a, he was a great judge. But the greatest was Deborah, right? But the brave, the the greatest prophet that lived in the Old Testament, and some people don't really even realize this, was Moses was a prophet. He was destined for death before he was ever born. God said, I'm going to send a deliverer. Right? So what did Pharaoh do? He said, I'm killing every baby two years two years under and under. And so what happened? Joshua. That's a heck of a name. That was Moses' mother. She defied the law, and she put that baby in the river, and <clears throat> Pharaoh's daughter adopted that child as her own. He was raised as an Egyptian prince, a prince of Egypt. But he was a he he he, he was Jewish. He was Hebrew. He had, but they didn't know that. He didn't know that. He had no identity in his life. He didn't know what he was supposed to do. He didn't know anything else. He just saw something that was not just. He saw a, 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 a Roman, not a Roman, but an Egyptian soldier beating a slave, and Moses killed him. And then he fled. Where did he go? The wilderness. Wilderness. He was 80 years old. Jordan, Jordan preached this a while back. He was 80 years old and he's walking along and he saw a bush that was burning. He said, I'm going to go check this out. And so he walks up and hears a voice. said, Moses, that would have freaked me out immediately. Think about it. Besides that, he's 80 years old. He's too, he's, he's too old to run from it, so he might as well stand in faith, you know. 
No, what? What? I just got too much. I just got too much pride to get help with my hearing. I'd rather. It's just cheap. The doctor told me. I said. He, I said. How much are hearing aids? He said they're about five thousand dollars. I said. Well, it's cheaper for me to say what? A lot cheaper. <laughs> I have to say it two or three times now. It's getting worse. But uh, anyway, anyway, he walked up and he and he saw this burning bush and he said, Moses, and they, and and. He said, take off your shoes. What? Because you're on holy ground. Where God is, is holy. We just sang that. But he listened to this bush. He, taught, he took off his shoes, he hit his face, and he listened to this bush. Because he knew whatever the bush was, was God. He didn't know who God was. He knew that whatever was in that bush was his God. That one. To a lot of people, their family is their God. To a lot of people, golf is their God. To a lot of people, shopping is their God. To a lot of people, on and on and on. But he knew this was the real thing. This was supernatural. Didn't happen all the time. Probably never happened before, never happened again. He knew that it was, a, it, it, it was important for him to listen. It's important for him to listen. Anyway, so, the place said, I, I want you to go back to where you killed the guy. And um, then I want you to deliver all all the slaves. What? I I, I got a speech impediment. You know, I I don't know. I can't do it. I can't. And then God told him. God instructed him. He didn't tell him everything. He just said, "Go and do this." And when you speak. My words will come out of your mouth. You're going to speak for me to the Egyptians. Man, this is the craziest stuff you ever, ever... I mean, you can't make this up. Ten plagues. After the first one, wouldn't relent. You know, it kept going, it kept going, it kept going, it kept going. And finally, after the tenth plague, the Pharaoh said, Get out! And they took all their gold and all the silver and, and they went. And we know what happened next, right? Red Sea. Gets up to the Red Sea. He's not a, he's not a good general. He's just a good leader. You never camp up against the sea and the mountain. You know, you just can't, can't do it. But he goes and he parts the Red Sea. This is an important guy, right? He was nothing for 80 years. But when he received... His word from God, power came into his life. It was not until he was, till he found his purpose did power come. Do you know why we've got powerless churches? Because none of them know who they are. Or not all of them, I shouldn't say none of them. But a lot of they don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing in his life. So they just show they're good people and they're, they're good church goers. You know, there's there's a difference. They were good churchgoers. They're gonna they're gonna be there on Sunday. If you got Sunday night, they're gonna be there then too. If it went up, they're gonna be there. What? They love God, but they don't understand. They never found out what their purpose in life was, so they never succeeded anything. They just do duty, 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 
duty. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And I'm going to take my kids. I'm going to take my kids. We're going to go. And they're good people. They love God. God loves them. And so it's not a, it's not, I'm, I'm not, you know, slapping them around. What I'm trying to say is, but if they would just dig deep enough to find out what their purpose in life was, they would never go to church out of duty again. So just find that. So Moses delivered those people and got them out, carried them around the promise, uh, around the same mountain for 40 years, and he died at 120 years old. That's stinking old. I'm almost halfway there. I'll be 60 in March. I'm embracing it. I'm not going to hide from it anymore. Even though I feel in my heart like I'm 25, I know I'm, I'm 60. My body feels like it's about 70, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, not, I'm not, never going to stop what I do because, you know what, I know what I'm supposed to do. When you know what your life's work is, what you know what you're supposed to be doing, you never work another day of your life. You, if everything's fun after that. It's just fun. I have, I've, I'm telling you, I have the most fun life of anybody I've ever met. Love it. I love my life. I love you guys. I love serving you. I love doing what you need me to do. That doesn't come without a purpose. That doesn't come without a plan. That doesn't come without God telling you, this is what you're here to do. I would be willing, I don't know what percentage, but it would be very high of the number of Christians in the world that have no idea what they're here to do. It would be astronomical. If we can just find, individually, just find where we're, what we're supposed to be doing, what direction we're going, we'll find more power than we ever imagined. Moses was roaming around in the herding sheep and goats. Went down as the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. Why? Because he heard what he was supposed to do and he did it. Simple. Simple stuff, right? So the next guy in line, his name was Joshua. And he was a good general. But God dealt with him differently than he dealt with Moses. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. I don't, I don't think people realize how important Moses is in the Bible. His life was probably the most significant life in the Old Testament. Yeah, I said significant. Living a life of significance, not mediocrity. God doesn't honor mediocrity because he's not a mediocre God. He's big God. Got big dreams, got big ideas, got big plans for his people. We've just got to take time to find it. Joshua. Mo, well, I'm sorry. Let me go back. Moses died within sight of the promised land. He completed his entire task. Everything that God had purposed for him to do. Everything that God had planned for him to do, he accomplished. He completed it. And when he completed it, God buried him all by himself. God, he's the only person in the history of the world that we just recorded. That God buried Himself. He died inside of the promised land and God buried Him. 
That's crazy, isn't it? That's a heck of a funeral. So Joshua took over. And then you'll find in Deuteronomy, um, God spoke to Joshua and he said, let the word of the Lord not depart from your mouth and meditate on it day and night. And Anyway, he, he dealt with Joshua differently than he dealt with Moses. Why? Because it was a different time. That's one, that's one thing that, that, that churches have a hard time dealing with was the same the message that worked 50 years ago doesn't work today. So things were evolving, you know, and so, and so God told Joshua how he, was going to, how he was going to talk to him, how he was going to do, and, and so they crossed over the promised land. And what's the first place they come to? Jericho, the most fortified city in the promised land, the hardest one to destroy. And so Joshua just prayed. And God told him, this is what you do. Once you march around and march around. Never picked up a weapon. And the whole city just imploded. It's crazy. They marched around and, and, and sing praises and everything. And the, and the city fell. That's the craziest thing. How would you, how would you identify that? How? That man did it? Or that God did it. Because man just put man's voice doesn't break down walls. But when God says, you break down this wall by your voice, then that's the way it is. When Joshua got his purpose and he became the best greatest general in in the history of the world, probably. It's crazy. Why? Because he found his purpose, he attacked it. He was engulfed by who was relentless in the pursuit of what his passion was, his purpose was. This is one of my favorite, my favorite Old Testament thing here. Gideon. Gideon was a chicken. He was scared of his own shadow. Go back and read it. Next, this um, six or eight judges, six or eight. And he had to, I mean, God just had to tell him, hey, you're a, you're a mighty man of valor. No, I'm not. You're a mighty man of valor. You're going to, I will deliver the Midianites into your hand. Finally, after not one but two signs from God, he, he did. He did. So he had all his men there. There were 32,000 of them. Good size army, okay? God said, You got too many guys. Tell all, just have a, a meeting with them and tell them, if you're scared or you want to go home, you can go home now. 22,000 of them hightailed it back to the house. God said, Well, there's 10,000. Now that's too many. I want them to know that it was me that did it. So this is what you do. You take the men down to the stream, and you, one by one, all 10,000 of them, and you tell, tell them to take a drink. And the ones that licked like a dog, they're done. They ain't going. Those that take it from their hand so they can look around and see, I want you to take them. How many of them were there? 300. 
300, from 32,000 to 300, God said, okay, that's good. That's good. I, now they're going to know when we defeat, when you defeat them, that it was me that did it, that I delivered it into your hand. Go to, uh, show my scripture up here, the Judges 7, 12. How many of them were there? Now the Midianites, Midianites and Amalekites all the, and all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. Don't know what that means. But I do know this. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in the multitude. Their cam- they had so many camels that you could not count them all. There were as many as there was sand on the seashore. That many camels. Okay, that many people. And, not, and now most of them didn't have a camel. And Gideon had how many people? 300. So God told him. He said, all right, now this is what I want you to do. I want you to get a trumpet for all 300 men. And they put it in their right hand. Right hand always means what? Hand of power. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. So, uh, said, put a trumpet in their right hand. Then a pot and a torch. And so they went down and they, and they, they surrounded them. And all at once they started blowing, tor- blowing their horns. And they took the, the, the pots they had to, and threw them down and broke them and made just a huge... Bracket. Scared them. They thought they were surrounded by They didn't know what was going on. And then they lit the torches, and they thought that they were so many men that they couldn't, so they all ran. So who did that, Gideon or God? God did. God just said, I'll deliver them into your hand. You just do what I tell you to do. When I give you instruction, power always comes. It came with Moses. It came with Joshua. It came with Gideon. When they received instruction, power came to them. When they found what God had for them to do, power came. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Like I said in the redneck version earlier, what Paul told Timothy, you see, a church doesn't have power. Run, run, because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know their purpose. They don't know what they're supposed to do. They're wasting time, so no power is there. Where there's something happening, power's happening. Good people, good people, just not seeking God for what what He placed us here to do. That, shouldn't that be the most important thing that a Christian should want, could want to know? It was with me. I mean, strange. That, that was important to me. All right, you got a purpose in life? What is it? And tell me what i got to do. And power came. I mean, not at the level of these, these uh, what we're doing. Anyway, so let's go to the New Testament. There's a guy named Saul. 
He just had Stephen stoned and he was on the road to Damascus and bright light shining, it blinded him and he got saved and he went down to Straight Street in Damascus and he stayed there for three days. Ananias came, laid hands on him. What happened to him? He had no idea what he was supposed to do, so where did he go? The wilderness. He was in the Sahara Desert for three and a half years. All right, I'll give you a scripture. Galatians 1, 11 through 17. This is Paul. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. That's, that's an issue, but anyway. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you've heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God because beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem, those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia, and I returned again to Damascus. The guy got by himself with God for three and a half years. What did he do with what he learned? He wrote 14 books of the New Testament. He, one of the most, other than Jesus, probably the most powerful influence in the entire New Testament. Acts is split into two into two parts, Peter's leadership and then Paul's. Because Peter was just an evangelist, basically. He preached, people got saved. Paul, the Holy Ghost gave Paul everything the church needed to survive, to, to thrive, to excel. He had everything. The Holy Ghost gave it to him, and he never once in his natural life saw Jesus. But when instruction came, power came. When he knew what his life was supposed to be like, when he knew that, that what he was supposed to do was important to the kingdom of God, he jumped right in the middle of it. Why? Because that's our reason for being here. You talk about people, man, and I'm talking about non-Christian, just, you know, what's our reason for being here on planet Earth? And then they go, oh, it's garbage. Uh, but if we're Christians, and we know that God placed us here for a reason, shouldn't it be your most 
important thing that you find out? You're saved. Second thing, find out what your job is. Why did God send you here? He didn't send you here to go to church. He sent you here to change the world. Period. End of story. And He's got something powerful for each and every one of you if we can just get to that point like we have the last couple of weeks to find out what our purpose is. When, I mean, I was in Africa, God, 18 years ago. And I had a really cool experience. And, I mean, just miraculous things happened everywhere I went, all over. It was just, it was crazy. And um, I got home and it was just, it was the biggest letdown of my life, I think. And I said, how can I do this? How can I come back and pastor a church and not walk in the miracles? I, I can't I can't do it. I just I, I refuse to do it. So what I do? I said, I'm not I'm gonna believe God no matter what. I know what he told me to do, and if I continue to do that, there's no way that I can that I can be defeated. There's no reason. There's no way that I can lose with God. I play all the time. I always win, I always win, I always win. You know what? Because my God's a winner. I mean, he's only ever had one fight, and that didn't take nothing but a kick, and it was over. You know? Oh, we've got people who would rather, who would rather, the Christians, that would rather stumble through life never accomplishing anything. Just enjoy life. We're not here for our enjoyment. We're here on a mission. And I don't think that people take that serious enough sometimes. I'm not here by accident. I'm here by a divine appointment. We've heard that a million times. But I really believe it with all my heart. It, I'm doing what God called me to do, where God called me to do it, and and not backing down. I know that doesn't sound like much, but this is a lot. It's a lot. But if you're where you're supposed to be, Doing the, the work that you're supposed to be doing. Is it always easy? No. Is it always worth it? Yeah. But the importance is to find. To find what you're supposed to be doing while you're on this earth. And I'm going to help you every step of the way. I'll send you feet. I'm done. Did y'all get your cup stuff for when you came in? 
your refreshments. That's what I, my mom said I 